Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeinabook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audio book using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions and you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P. At checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Uh, folks, I just want to really quickly uh, give a, a big shout out to everybody that listened to last week's episode. We got a you know a lot of fanfare, a lot of love from that. Um, it felt good to hear it come out the way that I imagined it in my head. I thought it played out very well. Uh, people seem to like it and enjoy it. Um, again, a great accomplishment. I feel like, you know, 100 episodes, and now we're on one-on-one, and uh, we're going to keep the train moving. Fran, uh, what's been going on, man? How's the week been? How, how, have, you, how have you enjoyed the, uh, the warm welcoming of episode 100, and, 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 and how's life going and all those things? Um, it was good, man. We got a lot of feedback on that episode, so yeah, it was pretty nice. Um. It's been a good week. The weather's been fine, except for that rainy day. Yeah. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday, something like that. Yeah, it's um, gross. Other than that, um, I'm here. I'm glad to wake up this morning. 
Um, and all, I'm just thankful, man. So I'm just, I'm just happy. How about yourself? Yeah, for sure, man. It's a crazy time, you know. Um, I coming off the heels of the Botham John story, which I was, I, I kind of was getting tired of talking about because it's, it's super depressing. And then not even a month later, uh, thirty minutes from, no more than that, mm-hmm. from where Botham John was killed a year ago. This woman, Tatiana Jefferson, was murdered in her home by a police officer who was supposed to just be doing a wellness check. Mm-hmm. Her neighbor called. I guess they left the door open or something like that, but they were just inside chilling in the house. The police officer parked his car down the street, mm-hmm. so it didn't pull up. You know, if you pull, you pull up with the lights on, you see blue lights f- flashing through your window, blue and red lights flashing through your window, you know the police are here. So yeah. you aren't, you know something's going on, but you're not going to have the hammer out. Mm-hmm. So a Tatiana, apparent, allegedly, according to the story the police officer gave, and apparently they're using this child who was in the house mm-hmm. to be the, uh, I already see that's, they're using him as the defense, because mm-hmm. he's saying, he, we heard something outside, so she got a gun out of her purse and, and went up to the window. Mm-hmm. And he announced himself, f- like four, he, no, he didn't even announce himself, he said, put your hands up. Mm-hmm. He might have said, police, put your hands up, I don't know. But it was four seconds, and bang, shot her through the window. Didn't even get to the door to knock on the door or anything like that. He shot her through the window. And if I heard somebody creeping through my window at 2 o'clock in the morning and I was an armed person, especially Mm -hmm. in Texas, I'm going to get my weapon out to defend my home and the child that's in this house. And now this woman is dead. And um, it's it's just another tragic story. So he he said he saw the gun? I'm assuming he saw the gun if he he shot her. But I don't know. know, he, He saw something. And within four seconds, he shot that woman. You know, so not. I'm not trying to take the 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 officer's side, but it's it's. I feel like it's other ways to prevent stuff like this from happening. As far as you being at, your, I know it's at your house, it's your property, mm-hmm. but you can go. You know, who is who's there? I mean, some type of. I feel like I don't know the whole story, uh-huh. but I feel like both of them was like, I know somebody's in the house. I know somebody's outside my house. So it's yeah. like we playing this game of. Who can be the quiet? But it's not the police officer's job to play the game. The police officer's job is to come and check on the wellness of the person, mm-hmm. announce yourself, mm-hmm. pull your car up to the house. Yeah, true. You know, and and make yourself known. That's if, what. I, if, but either one of them could have did that. That's what I'm saying. Not just her, but either one of them could have been like, make yeah, themselves aware that you know I'm I'm here. I hear, I hear what you're saying, uh-huh. but it's not her job to do that because she's in her house at two o'clock in the morning. Well, I'm, you know what I mean. Well, I'm saying I'm saying either not just I'm not taking side of either. I'm just no, saying either you. one yeah, of them no. could have done that. It's just, I feel like it's just... Yeah, but this, that's my thing. Is like one of them is a trained, is supposed to be a trained right, right. police officer who mm-hmm. deals with situations like this. And the guy that called didn't call 911. He called like a right. special number. Because the door was open or something. Yeah, like to be like, I don't yeah. know, send somebody over here, please, yeah. to, to, mm-hmm. to handle this. So I don't even know why his, his gun was already out and all this kind of stuff. I guess he went into it thinking it was a burglary type of situation because mm-hmm. he heard the door was open. But if it is a burglary type of situation, why is in your car? Why aren't you pulling up to the block yeah, with your true, lights on? True. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why you have the lights on your car to so people know that you're not just some person in the car. You're a police officer on the scene, and the lights flash through. The lights would have flashed through everybody's window. Yeah. Everybody would have known it was some kind of situation. Yeah. As opposed to parking your car a little bit away and creeping through the backyard, mm-hmm. like inspecting the house like a detective. Mm-hmm. When you're you're just called to just see if everything is okay, pull up to the front of the house and go knock on the door. Why are you skulking around through the yeah. backyard? I just feel like a lot of these this stuff could be like, unnecessary. Death could be prevented, man. That's the part that kills me. It's like 
Well, to me, to me, this screams like poor training. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not a police officer. I don't know what police officers go through. I know that, you know, it's a tough job and all those kind of things. But we're not describing a situation where he went into a a house and somebody called screaming about uh, somebody just got shot or Mm -hmm. something like that. This is supposed to be the most like base level, a wellness check. They didn't even call the emergency number. Hmm. So just come and, you know what I mean? Like the woman should, this should have been a situation where maybe she is yelling at the police officer or yelling at the guy across the street. We're fine. It's hot. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're fine. You don't need to be here as opposed to, you know, sneaking around through the backyard and scaring this woman in her home. You know, that, you know, this, the, this is the, why the NRA is supposed to exist. Mm -hmm. You know, this is supposed, this should have been, the NRA should be out in full stop. But this is all you need to know about the NRA is that, uh, to me, in my opinion, black people don't have the same civil liberties as, you know, other people in this country. We don't get to just be like, oh, oh, man, I'm you, you, you ever seen those videos where like in Montana, you'll just see like a white guy like I'm just exercising my right to carry. I got my rifle on my shoulder. Yeah. And the police pull up and they just like cite things from an art. Well, according to Article 52, you can just I can have my gun and da 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 and I can walk into this Starbucks and am I free to go? And they get to just walk away. I'm sure there's videos of guys getting more of a hassle from police officers, mm-hmm. but more times than not, they get to just uh, you know announce that second right amendment, second amendment right, mm-hmm. and this article open carry da 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 da, and they get to just get their gun back and walk away. Mm-hmm. I saw a video where a black dude tried to do the same thing. They had that dude hemmed up. Police pulled up with the guns out, told him to get on the ground, kicked his legs apart, kicked the gun away from him. Because when you see a black person walking down the street with a gun, it's apparently uh, it's 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 more of a a threat. In this country, sometimes than others, but more white people are doing mass shootings than black. Perception is reality. Now, what I will say is, it's starting to skew the other way for sure. I don't. It's a bad time to just be walking around with a gun in general, no yeah. matter what your skin mm-hmm. is, you know, because it's just happening so much. It's chaotic. Yeah. But in this instance, this woman has every right to protect her home. If this was some dude who was like a a a, a, a veteran of combat mm-hmm. and uh, you know a fifty year old white dude, and the police just showed up to his house and shot him in mm-hmm. his own home while he was carrying while he had a gun, and they didn't announce it, this would be a national, you know, the NRA would be out, the of president course. would be like, this is this isn't right or whatever. Nobody's the, the higher ups are not speaking about this for some reason. Mm-hmm. This is just another tragic story of, of an accident. You know that that's how they're gonna paint this, like mm-hmm. the Adam McGuire situation. The police officer, they went to go to him and be like, hey, man, you're fired. He was like, you can't fire me. I quit. Mm. You know, and now he's out on bond. Yeah. You know, they they charged him, but he's out on bond. You know, so I don't know, man. It's just a messy situation. And it just, again, you can throw statistics in my face. You can talk about the population of the country compared to how many people get shot by police or whatever. But when you see this shit constantly it really makes me scared to live in this country sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me scared to go to the movies. It makes me scared to be in the house even. Like, I, you can't even just be in the house chilling. Apparently, like I said, the door was just open. I understand the dude being a good neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I appreciate neighborhoods that kind of stick together and, it, it, you know, it takes a village and we look out for yeah, each other. And not all to cut you off, but speaking on that, we just went to our first HOA meeting yesterday. Oh, so we got a chance to meet all our neighbors uh-huh. and 
Um, it, it's essentially like y'all being a big family. For sure. Really, because you, you got to keep an eye out for each other. And if somebody breaks into your problems. neighbor's house, that affects you. Right. Because that means there's crime going on and right. your house could be next. Right. Everybody got cameras on. With, I mean, so, yes, I'm glad you brought that up because we just, we just did that yesterday morning. So it's it good. Fun. I know neighbors on both sides of my house. Mm-hmm. If something's going on, they come, they text me. I got their numbers. Yeah. They, they come yep. knock on my door, whatever. I don't know everybody on the street. But I know the people in my immediate vicinity, and yeah. I know enough people on the street, you know, to wave, nod. Yeah. You know, if if something happens at their house, or they saw somebody crawling around through backyards, if we mm-hmm. see each other, they'll let us know. Mm-hmm. You can't be isolated off in your neighborhood. It, yeah. it, it's it's detrimental to yep. your yourself. You're hurting yourself because the people just treat it like, well, I mean, my house is cool. I got yeah. a camera on my house. I if the or and you know I carry this or whatever, and my doors have this kind of lock on them, so I'm good. So if I see somebody walking around through somebody else's street or backyard, that's their problem. If you have, if you go with that type of attitude, people are gonna be like, I don't. Well, we don't give a shit if somebody's in your backyard. Well, yeah, he's gonna. Act like, I mean, especially if you give off that type of attitude, for people sure. recognize you stand that. Standoffish, yeah. you don't talk mm-hmm. to people. It's just not. A, it's not. A, it's not neighborly. Right. Go exactly. live on a farm somewhere if you don't want to be around people. You know. But um, yeah, man. Um, prayers and 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 uh and condolences to Tatiana Jefferson's family. Um, it is. It's tragic, man. I don't even know any. Uh, there's no other word for me to use about it. It shouldn't have happened. It um, prayers to that guy because I know you know I, he looked like an older dude, the dude that called the you know the non-emergency hotline. But if he has any kind of Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, I'm sure he's getting all kind of mixed messages. And I'm sure there's people in there that are saying like you did the right thing, but it you know it went bad. And there's other people like you should have just minded your damn business, man, mm. calling the police, and now you got her killed. And that's hard. You don't. That's you don't want to be on the other end of that um, social media wave, man. It, it is hell. Um, I can only imagine. I've never been a part of it, and hope to <laughs> hope to never be. Hope to never say something on this mic where people are like, "You should kill yourself." You know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. imagine getting a hundred messages like that a day, just you know, telling you to end your life and fuck you and you're a piece of shit and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, that wouldn't get to me. So I wouldn't. You never, you never know, man. I don't know. You know, I. I like to think I have tough skin, but I like to get on Twitter and I like to get on Facebook and it just to just be like, it's easy to tell somebody who's going through that, like, just put your phone down. But to be like, you have to put your phone down because if you go on any of these things you used to like to go mm-hmm. on, somebody's telling you to, like, uh, jump off a bridge. Yeah. Like, literally, you have to not get on it or just, like, wade through it. Like, oh, mm-hmm. look, this tweet. But then somebody's like, you, sh- you should die. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's... it's I guess, yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's tough. And, you know, like I said, condolences to her. Um, I don't really... That was kind of that kind of consumed me this week. Other than some uh, some more presidential news, that I don't feel like talking about. Um, it's just a weird time. It's a weird time, strange time. I mean, it's I not. Need, a, I it's need not. to get to Canada somewhere. I said, man, it's nowhere to go, man. <laughs> I hate to be a nihilist, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to move on, and it's crazy. This is the week that we're. I was going to try something different, and I, I, I think I am still going to do it, even though this came. We started off on some dark shit, but I want to, um, to this week, give it a try and see how people feel about it. I want to move the good vibes to the end. Okay, you know what I mean. So like, we get through all the fucked up, crazy shit, dark, okay, that's cool. shit like this, and all this, and then at the end lift you up really lift you up because yeah. really right now it's like a roller coaster so i want to try to make it more smooth like we're going to go real low down feel a little low and then we're going to leave high okay so i want to give it a try see how people feel about it um and we're gonna see what happens um so i don't really have anything anything else happening in the news this week that you're uh, interested in yeah but i don't really want to talk about it so oh well i didn't really want to talk about what i just talked about oh. mm. well rest in peace elijah cummins 
Oh, if you want to, yeah, 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 yeah. That. no, that, know. um, yeah, that's really sad because that dude was a vocal dude, man. Yeah, he he got up on the stand and at the um, you know, at Congress and would speak his mind mm. and was really like a voice of reason. And Donald Trump worked really hard to give that dude a bad rap. I've heard people say that that dude didn't do anything for Baltimore. And um, people from here mm-hmm. saying that. And that's because a lot of people are stupid and don't understand what a district is. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Cummings is not a mayor. Mm-hmm. Elijah Cummings is not a governor. Right. He is not the king of Baltimore. Right. He is in charge of like parts of Woodlawn, some parts of Columbia, some parts of the inner city, but mm-hmm. like right on the tail end. But he's not in charge of all of this. Like he's the reason that there's rats in the city is not because of the little district that Elijah Cummings is in charge of. Mm-hmm. It's a massive problem. The dude was a nice dude. He cared about his community. He did a lot of like you know opening, you know, turning vacant lots into um, gardens, and you know, just trying to do little communal communal outreach. I feel like if it's not bidding, like it's not benefiting you individually. It's he didn't like, do shit. He didn't do nothing. And you don't even live in his district. Hmm. That's crazy, huh? <laughs> Somebody's like, what did you do for me? It's like, you don't even, I don't even, I'm not in charge of you. That's You're wild. not in my district. Well, you didn't do shit for over here, so you didn't do shit. You know? So, it also made me, I don't, again, I hate to talk about this dude, but it really made me mad that, that he tweeted out about Elijah Cummings. Mm. Like, condolences. Oh, when really? just, like, two months ago, fuck him, and he's a rats and his his district is gross and he's yeah. gross he's terrible he should be fired and then turn around because you got to do the presidential thing i'm assuming somebody wrote it and be oh, like sure. he's a you know in his community da, 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 da. condolences mm. to him he's a great man like man fuck out of here man don't i don't want anybody i'm putting i'm charging you with this if i go before you mm-hmm. if you know anybody that i have beef with personally in my life and they show up to my funeral and want to try to hug my you know my wife and mm. Rub, pat on my kids' heads, and you know whatever. Give hugs. Tell them to leave. Mm-hmm. Don't come to my shit. Don't speak on me positively. You didn't fuck with me when I was alive. Don't talk about me now. Mm-hmm. Period. I don't care. You know everybody wants to jump on the sympathy train. Yeah. I hate when people. I see people who people who pass who I knew, and I don't speak on it because I'm like ah, I knew them. There was a time when I knew them, but right. I don't know them now, and right. we had good times, so it's not my place to speak. And there's people that I know didn't know them nearly as much as I knew them. Yeah. Speaking and want to get likes and shit on. Yeah. I, this is a sick time, man. Yeah. It's a really it's sick time. Attention, man. It's just a really sick time. People want sympathy attention. You want to be you want to be the guy who knew the guy who passed, mm-hmm. and you didn't, and I know you didn't. We used to laugh at you. Yeah. You know, that type of shit. Like, was like we used to be like, fuck him. Yeah. And now you're like, nah, it's, good dude man you know we had some good times you know it's sad day and you oh so i'm sorry that you're going it's like man that's it's not, on another level now man shit is crazy man it's a weird time bro i already told you about the shit people taking videos that people put on it on twitter and shit take them and then share them on theirs and be like yeah. man my brother yeah my son is crazy it's like that's not your son Post, just say look at this it's, crazy it's video funny jokes in there it's like not to get too far you see the people doing on facebook and it's like i was like i've i've Grow up with you're not that funny, so it's like <laughs> it's like I know you. You're not that. Come on, man. You're not that funny. You never been that funny. You stealing these jokes? <laughs> Why are you stealing people's content? You just got the perfect little quips and little quotes and shit. You just saying oh, and it's man. perfectly funny. I don't know who you whose Twitter you stealing that from, but it's you didn't say that. That's not your thoughts. It's sad. Joke man. thief. It's sad. <laughs> Dark times, man.
Anyway, um, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're still going to do a little music. Um, I'm going to take this off to, you know, ironically, because there's nothing fun about right now. But we're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to a little uh, Paramore, Ain't It Fun. And when we mm. come back, we're going to talk about some fucked up shit. And then when we're done, we're going to get some good vibes in your life. They're still coming, folks. Hold on. The vibes are on the way. I don't mind letting you down easy, but just give it time. If it don't hurt now, but just wait, just wait a while. And the big fish in the pond, no more. You were what the feeding on. So what are you going to do when the world don't open up? All right, and we are back. Fran, uh, last week was a different kind of format, so we're going to start scratch. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Let's let's start from here. You go go first? first. Okay, please. I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm waiting with bated breath. And please, your affirmative okay. murder. So my affirmative murder this week is about Viola Leuzo. Now, oh, um, she's not a serial killer. Mm-hmm. This is this is the, more of, about the death of Viola Leuzo. Okay. Um, this is a white lady. I fucks with her. I really okay. fucks with. Her. And my story, you the long like, way. Yeah. Okay. I fucks with her. So she's a beautiful, you know, white young lady at the time. Uh, she's about thirty-four when she died. Okay, but she could be beautiful if she was black or you know brown or anything like that, man. Let's not do that. We won't be those guys. But those guys about what? Mm, beautiful white young lady. I felt. I felt no, weird. because I said I said it like no, I said it like that because you know we we on here talk about um, talk about people of color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just I'm just saying that what she did. Mm-hmm. Let me. You will see why. Okay, you meant like beautiful on the inside and on on the yeah, outside. Yeah, uh, beautiful as a person. Gotcha. Both. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Cool. So gotcha, let me gotcha, read my story. Okay. Then you understand. You understand. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Viola Luzo was a Unitarian Universalist civil rights activist from Michigan. Okay. So Luzo was born on April 11, nineteen twenty-five, in the small town of California, Pennsylvania. Okay. The elder daughter. <laughs> gotcha. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> the elder daughter of Eva Wilson, a teacher of Herbert Ernest Gregg, a coal miner. And World War One veteran, mm. he left school in the eighth grade, but taught himself to read. Her mother Ava had a teaching cert- certificate from the University of Pittsburgh. The couple had one daughter, Rosemary, in 1930 while on the job. Herbert's right, Herbert's right hand had, was blown off in a oh. mine explosion, and during and during the Great Depression. I she, mean, that's geez. it can't get any I, it can't get worse than that. But you know, that's pretty that's pretty bad. No, man, people don't understand how rough the Great Depression was yeah. just in general and you don't and you have lose, a hand and you lose your job <sighs> yeah yep so the Greggs became solely solely dependent on Eva's income work was very hard to come by for Miss Gregg as she as she could pick up only sporadic and short term teaching positions the family descended further into poverty and decided to move from Georgia to Chattanooga, Tennessee wherever where Ava found a teaching position when Viola was six. The family was poor and lived in a one-room shack with no running water. Mm. The school the school's Liuzo, Liuzo attended did not have adequate supplies and the, teacher was, the teachers were too busy to give extra attention to children in need. That sounds like school now. Yeah. Because the family moved 
Move so often, Liuzo never began and ended the school year in the same place. Having spent mo- having spent much of her childhood and ad- and adolescence poor adolescence poor in Tennessee, Viola experienced the segregated nature of the South firsthand. This would have powerful impact on her activism. It was during her formative years that she realized that she realized injustice of segregation and racism, as she and her family. As she and her family and similar conditions of great poverty were still afforded were still afforded social privilege and amenities denied to African Americans under the Jim Crow laws. Mm. That's just a that's just um just a background of her of her background. For sure. Of what she had to go through. She didn't she wasn't doing this um being an activist, you know, growing up being rich. Yeah. So it wasn't like just like she started on TV right. and wanted to just right. wanted to feel like a part of something. Exactly. She and I think a lot of people will benefit today in America today. It's a lot of stuff that's just mirroring what right now, what you're saying in mm-hmm. this story and right now. Um, poor is poor. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like black, white, Hispanic, whatever. If you're poor, you're poor. You know the struggle, or whatever. And this girl's going, I'm just as poor as this girl across the street from yeah. me, but I still get some kind of, I get something that she doesn't get just because yep. of the color of my skin. Yep. And what's fair about that? We're in the same conditions. Yep. She might have a little bit more money than me, even. <laughs> you know, she has a bathroom in her house. Right. She has running water. Yeah. So why does she get to go into the store through the front and whatever? And I get to, we get to get this and we get these kind of amenities, but they don't get them because they're black. But we're the same. But the world didn't see it that way. Nope. So, I, you know, yeah, man, poor is poor, man. People need to recognize that. Yeah. P- rich people. And I, another thing I want to say on the record, just to make clear, is. Um, most of the time when black people generically talk about white people generically, we're not talking about you. <laughs> like, you, no matter what the color of your skin is, when black people, for the most part, sometimes it is just white people, black people think white people do this or whatever. But we're talking about, like, bankers, billionaires, people that, like, run the world. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about you working at this uh um, noodles and company. Yeah. We're like we're not talking about you. You're you're me too. You're you're a black. You're black. <laughs> we're poor. Uh-huh. You're me. It's the same. We're not when we say white people want to control this and da da. We're talking about like the people you see on the TV. Yeah. We're not talking about you. So I just want to make I just want to say that on the record, <laughs> just for the reverse of like, I poor is poor, and I firmly believe that. And if anybody ever just generically says white people this, they try to lump them into that. Yeah, they're not talking about you. As a matter of fact, you should, you should, you should, you wish. Yeah, you wish that we were talking about you <laughs> with your broke ass. You're, just, you're us. We're, we're all. If we're, you're making under five hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. We're not talking about you. We're talking about people that have influence and that kind of white. Yeah, wealthy white is what we're describing. You're poor, like Vic, <laughs> like uh, my girl. What's her name? Oh, Viola. Yeah, yeah. Me and Viola, I see. Yeah. I get you already. I'm sure it's going to get more, but yeah. it's like, yeah, she saw yeah. the struggle and wanted to be because she is a part of yep. it because she's neighbors. Yep. Okay. Good now? I'm good. All right. <laughs> so, in 1941, the Gregg family moved to Michigan where her father sought a job assembly, a, a, sought, sought a job assembling bombs for Ford Motor Company. Bombs? Yeah. I don't Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Ford was just whatever whatever he needed to use the assembly line for. Yeah. <laughs> War was popping, so he's like, we're gonna make some bombs in here too. Yep. Viola's strong willed nature led her to drop out of high school after one year. Oh. And eloped at the age of sixteen. The marriage did not last and she returned to her family. Two years later the Gregg family moved to Detroit, Michigan, which was starkly segregated by race. 
tensions between whites and blacks were very was very high and the early 1940s saw violence and rioting. Witnessing these horrific ordeals was a major motivator that influenced Viola's future civil rights work. Mm. The 1940, in 1943, she married um, George Ar- Argeris, the manager of a restaurant where she worked. They had two children, Penny and Evan, Evangeline. Oh, Evangeline. Evangeline. That's, I've never heard of that. That's one. an Evangel- old name. <laughs> Evangeline old. Mary and divorced in 1949. She, la- she later married Anthony Luizzo. That's where she got her name from. And Teamsters, a Teamsters union business agent. They had three children, Tommy, Anthony, and Sally, sought to return to school and attended the Carnage Institute in Detroit, Michigan. She then, she then enrolled, enrolled part-time at Wayne State University in 1962. In 1964, she began attending the First Unitary Universalist Church of Detroit and joined the NAACP. Oh, wow. Yep. A large part in Viola's activism particularly with the NAACP, was due to a close friendship with an African-American woman, Sarah Evans. After initially meeting in a grocery store where um, Viola worked as a cashier, the two kept in touch. Evans eventually became um, Viola's housekeeper while still maintaining a close friendship. Friendly relationship in which they shared similar views, including support of the civil rights movement. In addition to actively... Actively supporting the civil rights movement, Lou, um, Viola was also notable for her protests against the Detroit's laws that allowed for students to more easily drop out of school. Mm. Her disagreement with this law led, led to her withdrawal with her children from school in protest. Because she deliberately homeschooled them for two months, Viola was arrested but, but did not waver. Oh, wow. She pleaded guilty in court and was placed on probation. I mean... You standing up for your for your rights, I guess. And I don't I, know. She gets arrested for that. Hey, you got The kids got to go to school. Apparently, I don't know. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so in February 1965, a night demonstration for voting for voting rights at the Marion, Alabama courthouse turned violent. State troopers clubbed marchers and beat and shot 26 year old African American named Jamie Lee Jackson, mm. who later died. His death spurred on on fights of the civil rights in Selma, Alabama. Mm. The Southern Christian Leadership Conference, which is the C the C S C L C, scheduled a protest march for Sunday, March seventh, nineteen sixty five. She marched in Selma. Wow. Yeah, bro. Oh, she was thorough, yeah, man. Because they were they were hurling rocks. Yeah, bro. I, let me. Oh my God. Let me, let me get into it. Governor George Wallace banned the march, but then banned. But the ban was ignored. 600 marches headed to, to for the Arch Edmonds Peters Bridge that crossed the Alabama River. Alabama River, as the protesters reached the the crest of the bridge, they saw a terrifying sight on the other side: state troopers armed with clubs, mm. whips, and tear gas, and sheriff's poles on horseback. When told to stop and disperse, the marchers refused. The troopers advanced on the marchers, clubbing and whipping them. Fetching bones mm. and gashing heads, seventeen people were hospitalized on the on the day on the day later called Bloody Sunday. Yeah, Viola was horrified by the images of aborted march and Bloody Sunday. A second march took place on March 9th. Troopers, police, and marchers confronted each other at the at the county end of the bridge. But when the troopers stepped aside to let them pass, the Reverend, the mm-hmm. Reverend, yeah, uh huh. MLK Say it. led the marches back to the church. Talk about it. 
He was obeying a federal injunction while seeking protection from federal court for the march. That night, a white group beat and murdered civil rights activist James Reed, Mm. a Unitarian Universalist minister from Boston, who had come to Selma to march with the second group. Many other clergy clergy and sympathizers from across the country also gathered for the second march. Mm. On March 16th, Viola took part in a protest at Wayne State. She then called her husband to tell him she would be traveling to Selma after hearing the Reverend MLK call for the people for all faiths to come and help, saying the struggles was everybody's fight. Leaving Absolutely. her yeah, leaving her leaving her children in the care of in the care of family and friends, she contacted the Southern Christian Leadership Conference who took her on took her on and taxed her with delivering aid to various locations. I mean, she was in the middle, bro. She got in the trenches, man. And this shit, man, I want to make sure people that don't know, I mean, I know we have a lot of listeners who are older than us, so we mm. sound like silly talking, but like, yeah. Selma was chaos, man. Mm. Actually, uh, John Lewis, who's a representative of another uh, a district in, I think, in Georgia, I believe, mm. who people were mixing up with Elijah Cummings. I don't know if I have the right to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. I understand it. They look it's strikingly the same. But mm-hmm. people were like, here come people mixing up. They look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. But John Lewis was down there too. He marched with Selma too. And they were throwing rocks. And I mean, yeah. shit is shit is tear gas and just jumping people. And Martin Luther King said, nonviolent. Yeah. You know? And that's why it really makes me sick when I see people who seem to lean in a more divisive way you now everybody loves Martin Luther King now. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves you know Martin Luther King now. They hated Martin Luther King, man. Mm-hmm. They 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 hated. They killed him. So I, I don't like to use this as the reason for people. You should you know black people in particular. You should go out and vote. But people died for that right, man. Yeah. They literally died. You know so. As much of a skeptic and a, and a, and a, and a conspiracy, amateur conspiracy theorist that I am, I respect that people went out and took rocks to the head and beat, got yeah. beat to death for my right to go in and cast my vote for whoever I wanted to and be a part of the democracy of this country. And if you don't participate in that, specifically as a, a person of color, you are being incredibly disrespectful to a lot of people who, yeah. who felt it was important enough. People who look like you, people who don't look like you, like Viola, who felt it was so important yeah. to be a part of the process that they were willing to die for it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was what Selma was about. Yeah. So, man. So, welcoming and recruiting volunteers and transporting volunteers and marches to and from airports. This was, you know, this was kind of her job. Uh This is what she was doing. Bus terminals and train stations for which she volunteered. She volunteered. The transporter. To use her car, a 1963 Oldsmobile. Mm-hmm. On March 21st, 1965, more than 3,000 people began the third march, including blacks, whites, doctors, nurses, working class people, priests, nuns, rabbis. 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 Isn't that from a... It's like a Jewish Jewish, uh, pastor. I feel like I heard that from somewhere. Rabbis. I mean, it's one of the biggest religions in the world. I'm sure you've heard of it. No, other than like, like, I may have heard of a TV show or something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, Homemakers, students, actors, and farmers. Many famous people participated, including um, Dr. Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. Ralph Ralph Bunch, Coretta Scott, mm-hmm. um, Ralph Abernathy, and Andrew Young. It took five days for protesters protesters to reach their goal. Viola marched the first full day and returned to Selma for the night. That Wednesday, March twenty fourth, 
Um, she rejoined the march four miles from the end where a night of stars celebration was held, um, held the city of St. Jude with performances by many popular entertainers of the day, including Harry Belafonte, mm. Sammy Davis, um, Joanne Baez, and Dick Gregory. <sighs> Viola helped at the first aid station. On Thursday, Viola and other marchers reached the state capitol building with a Confederate flag flying above it. Oh, and they were doing this in church shoes, too. Yeah. Dogs barking. <laughs> mm. MLK addressed the crowd of 25,000, calling the march a shining moment in American history. Mm. After the third march um, concluded on March 25th, Viola, assisted by Leroy, Leroy Martin, a, a 19-year-old African-American, continued shuttling marchers and volunteers from Montgomery back to Selma um, in her car. As they were driving along Route 80, a car, a car tried to force them off the road. Mm. After dropping passengers um, at, in Selma, she and Martin headed back to Montgomery as they were getting gas at a local filling oh, station. No. Yep, they were subjected uh, subjected to abuse, abusive calls, and race and racist scorn. Oh, cause she's white and he's black too. Yep. Oh man. Yep. When Viola stopped at a red light, a car with four members of, can you guess? Uh, the KKK. Yep. Pulled up alongside her. They saw a white woman and a black man in the car together. They followed Viola as she tried to outrun them. You ain't doing that in that damn... In a bus. Um, Oldsmobile. Oh, oh, shit. I thought she was in a bus. No, yeah, she was in her sure. car. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, when they saw a white woman and a black man in a car together, they followed Viola as she tried to outrun them. Overtaking the Oldsmobile, they shot directly at Viola, mortally wounded her twice in the head. Oh, God. The car veered into a ditch, crashing into a fence. Although Martin was covered with blood, bullets missed him. He lay motionless when the when the Klansmen reached the car to check on their victims. That was probably the most... Man, I couldn't even... I wouldn't have breathed. Oh, my goodness, man. I would have took the blood and, like, extra... You know what I mean? Make sure... <laughs> my oh, goodness. my God, man. Because they would have... What they would have... I don't know. You're not going. But if they... If he... If he didn't successfully play dead, mm -hmm. what they would have done to him oh. would have been, oh, they would have, you know, castrated him, hung him, probably dragged him in the car. Oh, my God, man. Yep. So when he reached the car to check on the victims after the Klansmen's left, so he did, they, he successfully faked his death. Let me stop you right now, because if you tell me that this man went to jail for this woman dying, I'm going to leave. No. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I was like, he shows happened. up, white woman's blood all over his no, face. No, 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 okay, no. okay. So, yeah, after the Klansman left, Martin began searching for help, eventually flagged down a truck a truck driven by Reverend Leon Riley. Like Martin and Viola, Riley was shuttling civil rights workers back to Selma. Viola's funeral was held at the Immaculate Heart of Mary Catholic Church on March 30th, of in, De March 30th in Detroit, with many prominent members of both the civil rights movement and government to pay their respects. Including in this group was MLK was there, uh, NAACP um, Executive Director Roy, Roy Wilkins was there. Congress on Racial Equality National Leader James Farmer. Michigan Lieutenant Governor William Mil Milliken. Um, Teamsters President Jimmy Hoffa. And United Auto Workers President Walter Ruther. She was buried at the Holy Sp Spulcher Cemetery in Southfield, Michigan. Less than two weeks after her death, a chaired cross. Is that it? Chard? A chart, oh, like chart, yeah, like burnt, was found in front of four Detroit homes, including Viola's residence. Wow. Yeah, wow. man. 
Um, the four Klansmen members in the car, Collie Wilkins, who was 21, who was a... Oh, it was Collie Wilkins, who was 21, an FBI informant, Gary Rowe, who was 34, William Eaton, who was 41, and Eugene Thomas, who was 42, were quickly arrested within 24 hours. President Lyndon Johnson appeared in the national television to announce their arrest. In order to avoid bad press, President Johnson made sure to focus on the positive work of FBI agents solving the murder of Viola. In an attempt to divert scrutiny away from the fact that one of the men in the car, Gary Thomas Rowe, was a police officer, was an FBI informant, mm. and therefore protected by the FBI. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> wow. That goddamn J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. Uh, Wilkins, Eaton, and Thomas were indicted in the state of Alabama file for Viola's death on April 22nd. FBI informant Rowe was not indicted and, sev- and served as a witness. Rowe the testi- dude that was in the car? Rowe testified that Wilkins had fired two shots on the order of Thomas. So, I mean, he was, he was there and he was also snitching on wow. whoever he was with. Yep. 6-9. Yep. So the next phase of the lengthy process began when the federal trial charged the defendants with conspiracy to intimidate African Americans under the ninth under the eighteen seventy one Ku Klux Klan Act and Reconstruction Civil Rights Statute statute. The charges did not specifically refer to Viola's murder. On December third, the tr- the trio were found guilty by an all white all male jury and were sentenced to ten years in prison. Wow! And and landmark in southern in southern legal history. Mm. While out on appeal, Williams and Thomas were each found guilty f- for a firearms violation and sent to jail for those crimes. During this period, the, the January 15, 1966 edition of Birmingham News published an, an ad offering um, Viola's bullet-written car for sale, asking oh, wow. for $3,500. The ad read, Do you need a crowd getter? I have a 1965 Oldsmobile two-door in which Mrs. Viola was killed. Bullet holes and everything intact. Ideal to bring in crowds. That's sick. Crowds of what? Uh, clan rallies? I guess. That's nuts. Yep. After all three defendants were convicted of the federal charges, the st- um, state murder cases proceeded against Eaton and Thomas. Eaton, the only defendant who remained out of jail, died of heart attack on March 9th. Mm. Thomas state- Thomas's state murder trial, the final trial, got underway on September 26, 1966. The prosecution built a strong circumstantial case in the trial that included the FBI ballistics expert testifying that the bullet removed from the woman's brain was fired from a revolver owned by Thomas. Two witnesses testified that they had seen Wilkins drinking beer at the VFW Hall near Birmingham, 125 miles from the murder scene. An hour or less after Viola was shot, despite the presence of eight African Americans on the jury, eight of them on the jury, he walked in Thomas was acquitted of the state murder charge. Eight African-Americans on the jury. <laughs> he was acquitted for the state murder charge of the following day after a 90, minute of de- 90 minutes of deliberation. The state's attorney, General Richmond Flowers Sr., criticized the verdict, deriding the black members of the panel who had been carefully screened as Uncle Tom's. <laughs> Shit is I, mean, I, don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that, man. Eight? Eight, and there was a witness who was like, "Yeah," and he shot him. Just Uncle Ruckus is all over the place. They like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Should have been hanging out with black people. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Just wait. 
on April 27, 1967, the, the uh, 5th Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans upheld the federal convictions of the surviving defendants. Thomas served six years in prison for the crime. Due to threats from the coup, from the Klan, both before and after his testimony, Gary Thomas Rowe went into federal witness protection. Dude is a hoe. He's a, he's a whole hoe. Um, Rowe died in 1998 in Savannah, Georgia, after having lived several decades under several assumed identities. Dude, just <laughs> Takashi 69 yep. heavy. Yep. So within 24 hours after Viola's assassination by the KKK, the FBI informant Gary Gary Thomas Rowe and Edgar Hoover began a smear campaign mm-hmm. to press Jay the Edgar subordinate Man. FBI agents and the select politicians claiming the cut marks from the car's shattered windows were puncture marks in her arm indicating recent Recent use of hypodermic needles. Wow. Yo, J. Edgar Hoover was the fucking Perez Hilton. Like, he he could he could smear anybody. He was the one that was calling Martin Luther King, telling him, like, we're going to tell everybody that you're out here fucking. Mm. You know, we're going we're gonna to ruin you. But, like, they were, like, anonymous phone calls. Mm. That was what the FBI, that's how they started. Mm. Intimidating people and getting dirt on people and... Flipping the script. That's yeah. crazy to be like, nah, she used a bunch of hypodermic needles. She's a junkie. Yep. So she was very, she was, she was sitting very, very close to the, to the Negro in the car. That it has the appearance of a necking party. Oh God, man. This dude, that dude is gross, bro. Yep. While attempting to obscure the fact that an FBI informant was in the car, um, and to in- ensure that the FBI was not held responsible for permitting their informant to participate in violent acts. Without FBI surveillance or backup, the FBI was concerned that they might be held accountable for their informant's role in the death. Rowe had been an, been an informant for the FBI since the 1960s. Um, the FBI was aware that Rowe had participated in acts of violence during the KKK activities. On the, days, on the day of Viola's death, Prior to the shooting, Roe called his FBI contact and notified him that Roe and other Klansmen were traveling to Montgomery and the violence was planned. Oh, so they, were, they were they were headed there to do something anyway and just ran across them while yep. they were in transit to go fuck some people up at yep. Selma. Yep. Wow. Um, so the autopsy testing in nineteen sixty five showed that no traces of drug in Viola's system. Of course not. And that she had not had sex recently at the time of her death. The FBI's role in the smear campaign was uncovered. In 1978, when Viola's children obtained case documents from the FBI under the Freedom of Information Act. Um, there's more to the, it's, it's, uh, they talk about her legacy and, you know, what she did for the community and whatnot and where her burial place is. And she got this huge tombstone um, on her grave. But um, that was the story of Viola Leuzo. I mean... Wow, man. And people like to, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That was like like 50-ish yeah. years ago that this type of shit was going on in this country. And yep. People kind of like to be like, well, slavery was this long ago. Da, 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 da. That isn't slavery, and that is awful. Yeah. And, like, my grandparents remember that. Yeah. And my mother just is on the outside of that a mm-hmm. little bit, you know? So, yeah, man, um... That's why I don't fuck with time machines, man. Where the hell am I going to go? Yeah. If you fuck with the time machine as a black person, America's out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, America's just, you got to go back to, like, Greek times. Yeah. 
or go to another country, yeah. you know, or something like that. So, yeah, man, it's a wild time, man. It wasn't that long ago. No. Shout out to Viola, yeah, man, because she held it down. Yep. Um, she, she knew her being a white woman. She like, used her this, priv- this is not, it's not how it's supposed to be. She used her privilege to be an ally, man. She yeah. was like, this isn't fair. I'll drive the bus in the car. Maybe I'll get a little bit more leeway as me. And if not, it doesn't matter. I'm doing what's right. Yeah. It's not even that. She didn't just talk about it. She walked about it. A hundred percent. She wasn't just sharing, yeah. uh, retweeting things yep. and liking videos or whatever. Viola could put boots on the ground yep. and got busy, man. Yeah. And like I said about everything that comes with the right to vote in this country, um, she, she, her blood is on that bill and on on that, uh, you know, that law that changed. Yeah. Her, it's written with her blood along yep. with many others. Yep. J. Edgar Hoover's a slime ball. You know, um, the FBI was started um, for horrible reasons and probably do still horrible things to this day. Mm. Uh, yeah, man, that was a tragic yeah. story. I just wanted to, I haven't heard that story. I don't know how many other people that's old, you know, older than us have heard. Uh-huh. I'm sure they heard that story, but I haven't heard that story. Yeah. I feel like that story should be out there a little more. That's um, a tough one. That's a tough that's one. A tough as, one. As far but as it, like, well, I don't even just mean, I don't even just mean, um, to listen to mm. i mean like it would look kind of crazy to make a movie about the civil rights movement starring like scarlet, yeah scarlet Johansson, well, i'm, just, I'm, you know I'm not saying a movie but i'm saying that no, people, should, the do, story. people no, should read for sure absolutely absolutely and and know that you can't go well all white people are racist and you can't it's, yeah, it's some of yeah. them out there that you know that that see what we're going through and has and with her situation she's been poor yeah. she's been through it she's been going to all the different schools and seeing the segregation between black and white people mm-hmm. and it know what we was going through and was like man i gotta i gotta do something i gotta make some type of change absolutely for sure so no shout out to viola man that was um yeah incredibly sad um brave woman yeah um and i feel for her family one her passing but then having to deal with a smear campaign is like mm-hmm. she was fucking that dude yeah. and she's a junkie and, and they had to go not one, not believe it, mm-hmm. and and persevere and really do the the research, and then they caught that fucking FBI, you know whatever branch that was, mm-hmm. uh, with the paperwork saying you you guys lied, yeah, about my mother, yeah, and she called. I mean, she called her family. Like, Look, I'm I'm not coming home. Yeah, I got, um, I got work to do. And also, this is the part I uh, I skipped in the story. Uh, I'm sorry, I want to read that part. Um, because it I didn't want to ruin the story. Okay. Um. I'm sorry. So the lady that she met, Sarah Evans, I think her name was. Uh huh. Um, Who became her like house clip? Her became a friend. So it says that um, in the aftermath of Viola's death, Evans would go on to become the permanent caretaker of Viola's five children. Oh wow. Um, Viola was passionately believed in the fight for the for the civil rights that she helped organize Detroit protests, attending civil rights conferences, and work with the NAACP. She had a strong desire to make a difference as on a large scale as she could. Absolutely. Another so. thing this story did for me is like made me go t- again a year after that fucking documentary came out. Man, fuck Rachel Dolezal, man. Hmm. You can just be white and be an ally and be in the NAACP and help hmm. people. You don't have to lie and pretend that you're black. You know, Viola knew she was white. Yeah. She didn't like show up one day with braids and was like, hey mm-hmm. guys, I'm I'm Viola. The name's yeah. that's kind of a black name. I'm Viola. I'm half black. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a white woman who stood in her skin as herself and was like, no, this isn't right and I want to help. She yeah. wasn't tricking people. No. 
That whole Rachel Dozal shit is crazy, man. <laughs> and like she did help. She tried to. She did it with intentions to help people. Mm-hmm. But don't don't like miss like don't like uh, deceive people. Yeah. For the purpose of whatever her mental shit is going on with her. But that listening to that made me go, wow, this woman fully recognized who oh. she was in this country, the privileges that she had. Um, the abilities that she had that others didn't and wanted to do something about it and wasn't just like, oh, well, I fuck black dudes or whatever. Like, whereas like, I feel connected because I like black culture. Mm -hmm. It was just like, no, this isn't right. These people are Americans like all of us and I want to help them. It wasn't this like, I want to be them. Yeah. You know, so again, shout out to Viola, man. That was a terrible story. I mean, amazing story. I'm sorry. It was an amazing story with a tragic, tragic ending. Okay, so... um. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. And then, guys, I know this has been a very grim, uh, gruesome, dark beginning, but guess what? Those vibes will be coming at the end. I I promise you, we're going to go up. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. Fran, please prepare yourself for my affirmative murder. This is the story of Bashid McLean. Okay. Okay. So in 2013, native Bronxite Bashid McLean was just 23 years old when he murdered and dismembered his mother, Tanya Bird. Mm, his mom. His mom. The woman who gave birth to him, yeah. bro. Yep. Dismembered. Not just murdered, dismembered. Mm. Her body parts were found shoved into bags and scattered around the Bronx neighborhood. What? Bashid immediately confessed to using an electric saw, other carving implements, and other com- carving implements to commit the horrible deed. Mm. Police were overwhelmed by the stench of bleach when they entered the apartment Bashid shared with his mother, Tanya, who was 45 years old at the time. So she was kind of a young mom, you yeah. know, fun, yep. you know, probably. Um, I think that a lot of black people um, have the same kind of, especially black kids with a young mom. It's like you, they're learning to be a parent with you yeah, in their youth as well. So sometimes you might catch it. I said, cut the, you know what I mean? I've, yeah. Uh, it's, I, when I see like um, black moms be like and shit like that videos on, on YouTube, it's so triggering when it's like, make sure you take the chicken out of the freezer yeah. before I get home. And mm-hmm. then it's like five o'clock and you hear the keys jingling. In the yeah. Floor. It's like, oh, I, that's, fuck. That's, that's, that's still me. What's that? <laughs> Steph, go, can you take something out? I'm like, all right, then she come like, in. Oh my fuck. You, you ain't take run. No, you ain't take nothing out? Talking Spanish. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Try to run and put the hot water on the yeah, chicken and make nah, it thaw. It's not. It's, it's, it's not done. Gonna it's gonna take hours. Yeah, it's, too late. <laughs> it's not gonna work. And let me. Uh, I wanted to say something because when I was younger, I was very disrespectful um, to people that was at the age of like forty five. Uh-huh. When I was young, I used to be like, "Damn, that's old." But nah. now I'm getting old. It's like that's not old at all. That's not man. old at all. <laughs> that's actually like perfect age, man. Like I you wanna... want at, at forty to forty five, you want to be like, yeah. I got all my business taken. I'm kind of an autopilot of life yeah. with work and everything, and I'm on vacation. I'm yeah. this and I'm that, and I'm having a good time, and I'm just making my money and having a good time. That's forty five is like right where you want to be. I'd like to accomplish that by like thirty five. Yeah, but right. I understand most people. You know, some people never get there, but like 45 is when it's like, I've been working, doing this job for like 20 years. I'm established. Yeah. I got money in the bank. My savings account is healthy. I'm going to go to Bora Bora. Yep. That's when you do that shit and it's a good time, you know? Yeah. So, oh yeah. I no, want to apologize. 45 is right. I used to be like 19. Damn. Damn. I'm like, when you you're 30, what? you old. Yeah. Shit. These kids now, you're 15, you're 27. They're like, oh. Yeah. That, everything. I already feel old now. Everything's so on a rapid pace, man. If you're yeah. 30, a 15 year old's like, ugh, are yeah. you all right? Yeah. How long do you have left to live? Yeah. Shit is wild. Um, 
but yeah, so Tanya was only 45 years old. I could hear her, you know, uh, Bashid being like, uh, Ma, calling her at work like, um, can I have uh, the other half of your burger uh, that you left in the fridge? Like, you calling me at work? Yeah. I'm at work. Yeah. During those times, I'm sure a lot of black people can relate. I was pretty much scared to ask for anything because <laughs> you just didn't. <laughs> it was a no. It was a no. It was going to be so a no. So that's when you go, you go uh, fight in the air because you pissed off. But then, you know, when you they get that yes, you like... All right, mom. Love you, mom. <laughs> you go wash the dishes. You put the food out. On oh time. yeah, for next, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Then for sure. You make sure she lets you get the. You, she lets you get the rest of, the leftovers from TGI Fridays. Oh, yeah, I'm doing dishes tonight. You know, make sure I get some good <laughs> remarks from school and all that yep. kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, that lasts about a week. Yeah, it don't last too long. <laughs> you know, it's back to normal normal practices after after you know about five days or so. Um um. So he was let out of his he was let out of the house in handcuffs after police recovered the saw, gloves, and a sawzall power saw. Mm. Investigators spent that day scouring through piles of trash in the South Bronx neighborhood after a horrified dog walker discovered human remains in a travel bag. Mm. One by one, birds decapitated head, right leg, torso, and hands were unearthed in the area around Eagle Avenue, 158th Street, 156th Street, and Claude Claudewell Avenue. Mm. Also, quick sec, I'm going to go into a long tangent right now. Okay. Saw the Joker. Great movie. Okay. There's a scene where he's walking down some steps when mm-hmm. he finally kind of embraces being the Joker, and people are apparently going to those steps. These steps are in the Bronx in New York, and everybody's like, white people, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You will get robbed. They're not. Those <laughs> steps are not in a safe neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know? Also, movie, great movie. Okay. Tough watch, great movie. Why tough watch? Because it feels super real. There's oh. no Batman. Or it's just him. And you're basically watching a movie about a guy like becoming a movie theater shooter. Hmm. You're like watching a guy that just gets fed up with the world and is like, fuck this. Everybody good. dies. It's not good. So it's scary. And in seeing the movie, I was one of the people that was like, this seems kind of silly to be like um, putting warnings out and all this kind of stuff. But I will put the warnings out because you have to because it's 2019. After seeing the movie, I get it. Because you go, if I was a person who was in the same kind of boat as the person who's playing the Joker, mm-hmm. I might go, yeah, man, fuck this. I'm not going to let people keep treating me like this. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill somebody. Gotcha. It really, that's what you're watching on a screen for two hours. A person that's like, the world's treating me like this? Man, fuck this. With a smile on his face. You die and you die. I'm killing everybody. Fuck this shit, man. So I understood it after watching the movie. Great movie. He's probably going to win Best Actor. Now, they put this out knowing uh-huh. this is a tough time. Oh, yeah. It, it, and, it, and it does a lot of stuff of like um, people rising up against rich people. It really felt like you were, it felt like you were watching uh, CNN yeah. at some points in the show. And you know? I think that we're all gross in some type of crazy way. Oh, yeah, yeah. As, to see this as entertainment and be like, that's a great movie. Yeah. I just don't. No. I mean, we do a podcast talking about, you know, some of the worst things that happen in people's lives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, but it's, uh, we're not glorifying anything. Right. We're just talking about it. Now, that movie is kind of. Right. Well, it's kind of glorifying. Yeah. It's a little different than what we do. But it is, um, it is, a, it is weird to say, like, great movie. It was so horrible. It felt like you were really watching uh, people murder, get murdered and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is, like I said, tough watch. Great movie, though. I watched it in my house when it comes out on DVD. Yeah. I mean. At this point, the movie theaters are pretty dead. <laughs> that was a poor phrasing. They're pretty, like, not a lot of people are going. Yeah. So I didn't feel, I wasn't, like, looking around. Like, yeah. Is there anybody in a long coat in yeah. here? Dying industry, so, you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to my story. So, yeah, so this happened. This took place um, 
in uh, a Bronx neighborhood. Okay. Um, some of Bird's body parts were still wearing the clothes she was in when she was slaughtered. Like a sleeve or something? Like a sleeve, like the shirt, you know what I mean? Like Couldn't, he couldn't like. Well, you don't want to see your mom naked. I said a sleeve. I wouldn't, I didn't say a t-shirt. I said like oh, well, I mean, a sleeve or. What did you want him to like, cl- take it off and clean it? Clean her arm? At least. Oh, this if you're going to chop me we're up. We're talking about a dude that's like, if you're gonna we're talking about a dude that up, killed man. his mom and ch- chopped her up. I don't think he's like, this is like, this is so unkept. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clean this up and get it nice and spick and span. Be respectful. He killed his mom, man. The respect is, there's no respect. How a person treats their mom says all you need to know about a person. <laughs> and I think that, you know, talking back to your mom is like, yeah, that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So this dude killed and chopped up his mom. Yeah. So respect is not even in his vocabulary. It's nowhere it's the in least in he could do. Yeah. Oh, man. I wish he would have just been like, shut up, mom. Yeah. He killed her. Um, according to uh, neighbors, Bird was sometimes frightened of her son, but loved him. Hmm. A relative who didn't want to be named told DNAinfo.com that he's acted out in violent way. He had acted out in violent ways before, but I never thought he could do something like this. Not in a million years. That's tough as if, if that's your son. So you can't be like, you got to like comfort him. If mm-hmm. he's going through something like that, so you can't be like, can't kick him out or something Yeah, like that, but you're so. terrified of him. Yeah, but it's like, that's my son. Yeah. So. I'm still scared of my mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I know I got to a point, you get to a point, I think every guy goes through, especially a guy in a single parent home, you get to a point where you're like, if I really wanted to, like, I could take you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I really wanted to, but still, if she goes like, shut up, put mm-hmm. her hand up, you know, like, shut up. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, I'm sorry, mom, my bad. You yeah. even get a little, okay, I'm sorry, my bad. But it's like, realistically, like, I could probably duff my mom out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I could wreck my mom. Like, yeah. If we really wanted to get into a squabble and start scrapping, I think I could take my mom. Mm-hmm. But it's something about that switch in your brain. Some people must not have it because you can kill right. your mom where you go, I can't, though. You know, yeah. like, I, she'll she'll kick my ass. Like, you're still, it's still a fear thing. Yeah. Where you're like, no, like, you're, you're, whatever muscles you have, they are like, they're like powerless against your parent. Yeah, mom's got something else. I don't know what it is. Mom's yeah. got something else. It's just, it's like, it's like, no matter, you could be the biggest, strongest dude in the world. When mom put hands on you, 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 you crumble up. It's yeah. like, I, I can't. I, oh my God. I'm, don't do, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, so like, I know that physically my mom can't take me. Yeah. But she's got that mental edge that just, it's like kryptonite. It just shut me down. It's like, oh, no, please, mom, sorry. Yeah. You know, I was like, so, um, he didn't have that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how you don't, but he didn't have it. Hmm. Um, um, so uh, apparently Bird's sister, Cassandra McLean, who is Bird, I mean the mom. Okay. Um, yeah, Bird is his mom, Tanya Bird. Mm-hmm. And her sister, Cassandra, insisted that the boy was innocent initially. She believed her sister's allegedly abusive ex-boyfriend was responsible for her ghastly murder and dismemberment. Mm. McLean had a series of prior arrests, including a 2010... McLean, I mean Brashear. Okay. He had a series of prior arrests, including a 2010 incident when he slugged two officers. Dang. Responding to a... Dem- this is like... This sounds like... Uh, he should have been dead, this, this, this incident. You yeah. Know? So just, this is just crazy in itself. He he slugged two officers responding to a domestic dispute in a Brooklyn apartment, according to a criminal complaint. He was brandishing a knife when they arrived, and when police told him to put it down, he lunged at them, mm. according to the complaint. And they ain't bang off on him? Uh, apparently not. 
Lucky. He lived to see another day. Very lucky. That's crazy. Because I would, if I saw that video, I'd be like, hey, man. That's one of those videos I couldn't see as being galvanizing the people, being like, this yeah. is police. This is p- police misconduct. Like, you had a knife in your hand I and you him. lunged at the police. I shot him too. Yeah, shit. Oh, you fucking right. <laughs> and he duffed two of them. He hit two of them in the jaw. So he already got too close. He already got too close, yeah. man. And he had a knife. So, and again, this is according to a, a complaint. This okay. Is, no, I, I don't, there was no, I wasn't there. Mm. This is just according to paperwork. Uh, he shoved one officer into, again, this is all, not alleged because he got convicted of it, but this is the story that was told. Mm-hmm. He shoved one officer into a nearby car and punched the other, according to the complaint. Dang. Both of the officers' faces were bruised and bloodied in the struggle. McLean also spent seven months in the infamous Rikers Island um, jail from March to October of 2012. And the crazy thing about Rikers Island, as we know from the, um, I, I never remember his name, but there was a young man who stole, you know, got accused of stealing a book bag, which he didn't do. Mm-hmm. He ended up killing himself. He was on Rikers Island pending charges. Mm-hmm. He just didn't have bail money. He wasn't a, it's not a prison. It's a jail. Mm-hmm. So you just go to right, but it's one of the worst places to go. Yeah. It's full of kids, violence terribleness and it's just a jail yeah you're not even some people a lot of people there aren't even have not even been convicted of a crime it's yet. isolated too right it's on an island, island yeah yes yeah, it's, it's very set like it's very sectioned off and it's incredibly violent it's actually supposed to be closing down in the next like six years good very good i mean but they're just gonna open up another prison yeah like, i just don't, i don't somewhere. like that though yeah get on the boat some yeah, shit. yeah i don't, I don't yeah, know how yeah, it works yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh so um uh Bashid claimed he had not acted alone in killing his mother According to McLean, he came home to the Westchester Avenue apartment he shared with his mother to find that his friend, William Harris, a frequent visitor, had stabbed Bird to death because she annoyed him. What was his friend there? This is McLean's story. He had split personalities with him? Uh, he didn't have sp- no, there was a William. There was a guy. Oh. And he is involved, but oh. I think that McLean is lying about oh, okay. he did. He's basically saying, I didn't kill her. I chopped her up. Yeah. Bird was there, and then I saw her dead, so I chopped her up. Um, so that's what McLean says. But Harris gave a very different tale, claiming McLean admitted murdering murdering Bird, um, claiming that McLean had admitted to murdering Bird before enlisting his help to dispose of the body. Mm. So he he basically came to William Harris and was like, "Yo, I killed my mom. Help me uh, dispose of the body." And most people would think, "Then you go." No, and I'm calling the police on him. <laughs> Let me tell you what William Harris did. Hmm. William Harris, who was 26 years old at the time, told the Daily News that he buckled under the orders from Bashid McLean to dispose of the dismembered body of McLean's mother, Tanya Bird. He said uh, he was yelling. He told this in an exclusive interview in a visitor's room at Rikers Island. So he's on Rikers Island, or he was on Rikers Island at the time of this interview. Hmm. I just turned to spaghetti. My insides were spaghetti. I didn't know what else to do. So I put her in a bag and we took her. You know what I mean? Like I just was so shocked at the moment that I helped him dismember his mom and we took bags of her body and spread them out all over the Bronx. You know, like you do when you're scared. All these basically like you do when you're a friend. That's what I thought you were about to say. Was like, <laughs> and <"What?"> that. <laughs> and that as well. Uh, so Harris, who was caught on the security. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Uh. He also said he he dared not argue with the baby-faced McLean, 
who even snapped a cell phone picture of him himself holding his mother's severed head as a trophy. I thought you was about to say that. Wow. Yeah. If you've ever seen Kathy Griffin, a uh, comedian, redhead comedian, got in trouble probably like two years ago. She did like a photo shoot and she had a prop Donald Trump's head, like mm. a fake Donald Trump's head and was holding it up to the, it was bloody and she's holding it up to the camera, which was extreme I mean he is the president of the United States it is extreme we later find you know through two years after that it's like oh this dude's garbage so like he does shit that's worse than that so whatever but it still was like graphic yeah that picture if you type in I mean you could type in Brashear McLean and see the photo but if you don't want oh, oh they have the photo it's blurred out the, the head oh, is okay. you just see like his arm and his face he has like a bandana around his neck but if you want to see the pose without having to see the graphic photo to anybody listening if you type in Kathy Griffin Trump head he's doing the exact same pose with his mother's head as Kathy Griffin did with a prop head of Donald Trump it is pretty fucking disturbing um Harris who was caught on security camera carrying bags stuffed with Bird's remains was arrested soon after the cops collared McLean Bird's sister Cassandra McLean turned back around after she saw the photo and other evidence came out she said she was not surprised that her nephew could allegedly coax someone into performing such a grisly grisly chore mm. she said i believe that i believe that child my nephew bashid is one is one who ultimately needs to is the one who ultimately needs to pay for this crime he's the one who killed tanya so she's basically saying like yeah i mean i understand <laughs> she's like i understand that he helped uh, Bashir carry uh, Tanya all around the Bronx in bags but he didn't kill her I believe him so he's alright let him he doesn't he didn't kill her Bashir did he's the one that's that's bad which is kind of excusing this kid's behavior yeah I um, I have a lot of people that I consider great friends you being one of them mm-hmm. if you came to me and asked me to move a dead body that you chopped up I'd expect you to say yeah oh really yeah mm You'd expect and be very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be receiving a, a visit from the police. Soon, Damn. Soon after you left my so house. So you're going you gonna to rat me out? The minute you remove somebody's body wow, part man. from their body, our friendship is done, bro. Well, with me, I'm you letting should, you know, you right know I, have a, I have a legitimate reason why I did it. That you chopped somebody up? Yeah. Check this out. If somebody disrespected Stephanie, disrespected Sophia in some kind of way, hit your kid or whatever like that, mm. and you pull the hammer out and you shoot them, mm. I'm riding free friend he didn't do nothing he was protecting his family mm-hmm. if somebody was getting on your nerves and mm-hmm. you stabbed them and you chopped them up mm-hmm. friendship that's the, the our friendship is cut after that first cut wow as soon as I hear like Fran cut off a dude's head I'm like oh shit I can't fuck with him no more Fran's crazy Dang. I didn't know this whole time I've been letting this dude in my house and he's capable of that well from that you should be like I'll ride for him I got it I got it I got his back cause I know if something went down He'd he would chop a person's head off for yep. me. That's a that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Wow. You've convinced me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's all right. right. Yeah, no, I, I will ride for you then because I know you. No. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No. You already sure. know I'm about that life. Yeah. That no, point. I, you've 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 you made that pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I just no. give it to you as a souvenir. You can just keep see, it around. And now, see, now you say stuff like that, and now I'm concerned that you may have actually done it, and I'm gonna move on from the story. I don't know. Okay. I don't want a trophy like that. Why? I mean, I, I know a spot uh, that's on the corner of um in the city. I'm not going to say the name, but they they got these these glass cases. Oh, cheap. you put it on display put like a in, basketball. Put it in, yeah. Yeah, I'm good, man. Got I'm nice good. lighting. Uh huh. I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Okay. I'm sure it does. Uh, um, Just let me know. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I will. Okay. I'll let you know. I'm gonna 
I'm going to go back to my story. Um, so after he was arrested, McLean explained that in some ways he felt obligated to dismember his mother's body. If you can kill somebody, you should be able to cut them up too. So this what? Is a dude, you know, he's got me. <laughs> that's a crazy, excuse me. That's a crazy. <laughs> that's a crazy sentence. But we're talking about a dude that has more. He has morals and principles. You know what I mean? He's a man who you know he he's a do-it-yourselfer. But he didn't clean him. No, he didn't clean him. He's okay. you know he's a little lazy. Right. But let me repeat that for people who didn't understand what the wow. fuck this nut said. <laughs> if you can kill somebody, you should be able to cut them up too. If you can't do that, if you don't have the stomach to cut them up, then you're a coward. Plain and simple. Wow. <laughs> That's the code he lives by. Yeah. My code is like, you know, do unto others as you want to be done unto you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, uh, you know, tr- you know, always have empathy and, mm-hmm. you know, treat people like, you know, whatever. But he's like, nah, if you kill somebody, you got to be able to cut them up or you're a bitch, man. Yeah. What type of shit is that? You're going to be lazy, kill them and not cut them up. That's half the battle. I don't live that way. I go all in. So okay, that's, that's probably that was probably a shot at the serial killer community. Yeah, it's like, oh, y'all out here just killing people and not cutting them up. Y'all ain't real. Y'all, y'all should get y'all, y'all badge. Yeah, y'all yeah. badge revoked. Yeah, y'all y'all not really really about that life. <laughs> Are you even really a serial killer if you don't chop up your victims? Yeah. According to Bashir, that's Bashir's words, not mine. So uh, McLean chopped up his mother while Harris, William Harris, watched and McLean's uh, brother slept in another room. Wow. Harris later testified against McLean in court. Although prosecutors argued that McLean is a cold-blooded killer, McLean's attorney, Lynn Calvaco, argued that he should be acquitted by reason of mental mental defect or disease. Mm. McLean has been hearing voices in his head since he was a child and has spent much of his life in mental facilities. Well... So he fell through the cracks. You know? Turn, yeah, yeah, you know, um, a lot of people fall through the cracks. You know, mental health is a serious thing. But when you do this, you can't be in society anymore. As no. far as I'm concerned, I don't. I don't know if that's a controversy. That's your mom. That's yeah, your mom. man. I mean, what, what? 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 won't you do to a person? Then you yeah. did it to your mother. I'm afraid to even think of what this person could do to somebody else. That's not his mother. You know. So I don't know if that's a controversial statement, but yeah, man, I mean, I feel sympathy and all those, and I want mental people with mental issues to get the help that they deserve. Mm-hmm. But once you do something like this, you can't be in society anymore. You can't just be in a Starbucks. Yeah. Like, you need to be in some kind of institute, like a, like, a, like a mental health hospital forever, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how you get rehabilitated. I don't know how you, what day is the day, five years, 10 years, 20 years, where you go... I know you killed your mom and chopped her up, but like we've done all kinds no. of therapy. It should be no testing, and medicine, nothing. and all no. this kind of stuff. I think you're good now. Lock him up, put him away. Yeah, that's just Simple that's that. a tough one, man. That's that's your mom. Yeah, that's crazy. He, I mean, he chopped her up. So yeah. So uh, even when the topic of of prison arose, McLean said that he was not afraid to go because he would no longer be taking his medication and he would be able to go to another universe in his mind. Wow, that's how I cope, McLean. He's loony. He's super. That's how I cope, McLean said. I disappear in my mind, which I get, but I, they might have put a little extra sauce on there. Like, if that's just the quote is, I disappear in my mind to get out, you know, to um, um, to handle difficult situations. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. They might have sauced it up with the universe and I go into another world. And all. 
I don't know. This dude tried to He might have said it, though. <laughs> I can't say I can't that he didn't. It but it might have just been the I disappear. That's how I cope with okay. things. I disappear into my own mind, which I was like, I get that. But the little universe part, they might have put that little sauce on there. And now it's like, oh, this dude is loopy. I wish we can see. I already man. think I wish I can see stuff like that. The interviews and stuff? Just to, no, just to see when people go, I, I just, in my mind, I could just get away. Well, there's a just, great episode of um, Scandal. Mm-hmm. Where um, they have this 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 um, almost like a secret agency called B six thirteen, and the dude Huck, how they make them B six thirteen is they put them in a hole, mm-hmm. like a hole literally, like a like a cell in the ground, and they don't let them out, and that's kind of to break their spirit. Mm-hmm. And Huck would go like every day I would go on a walk, to, I would go on a six mile walk, I would um, talk to my wife, I would eat a steak, mm-hmm. and all but he's in the hole, but he's telling people like this is what I did down there when oh. it's they didn't give him anything. But in his mind, that's what he was doing. That's crazy. And that's how he coped. That's how he got through it. So anybody who's seen Scandal, seen that, I recommend that to you. I don't know what episode. Just a good show to watch in general. If you watch the show, you'll get to that episode eventually. And that will show you that kind of the imagery of that, of what Mm -hmm. people do to get away from things, trauma and things like that in their mind. It's crazy. Yeah. um, Scandal. ABC. Yeah. Disappear. Oddly enough, I couldn't find an update on his conviction Mm. until I found this fucked up shit. So check this crazy shit out. Mm -hmm. In January of 2017, it was revealed that a Brooklyn mom charged with beating her four-year-old son to death with a broomstick was once married to the boy's father, a South Bronx psychopath who killed and decapitated his mother named Bashir McLean. So his mom beat... His ex-wife beat his son to death with a broom. His ex-wife. His ex-wife. Bashir's ex-wife beat, wow. his, beat his son to death four years after he was convicted of decapitating and chopping up his mother. His ex-wife killed his son with a broomstick. They say why? Oh, they do. I oh, got all okay. that. Um, And check, we got another appearance from somebody. Ain't that crazy? Said Cassandra McLean Smith, the sister of uh um, Tom, shit. Uh, the mom. The mom. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I want to make sure I say her name because okay, I want to say Tanya, but it's not that. Yeah, it is. Wow, it is that. It's Tanya Bird. Um, yeah. So she said, uh, "Ain't this crazy?" Um, this is a quote. That's a quote from Cassandra McLean Smith, now married. Uh, the sister of Tanya Bird. Uh, a child kills his mother. And then a mother kills her child. Mm. Ridiculous. What are we coming to? McLean Smith's sister, McLean Smith, sister of Tanya Bird, was killed. I'm sorry. McLean Smith's sister, Tanya Bird, was killed and dismembered by her oldest son, Bashim McLean, back in February 2013. Mm-hmm. He was married to Vera McLean at the time. But according to McLean's sister, Portia Lovett, his wife changed her name to Zara Combs after the crime. So this woman who killed her son changed her name to get away from the McLean name mm-hmm. after Bashir killed his mom. Mm-hmm. She changed her name to Zara Combs. The 26-year-old mom was arrested um, for the savage killing of her little boy, Zamir. I like that name. Z- Zamir. It's, it's Z-A-M-A-I-R. It might be Zamir. Mm-hmm. Uh, who became the target of her homicidal rage when he accidentally dropped an egg on the floor, Oh, come on. sources said. Zamir was just three months old when his dad carved up his grandmom with a two-foot Black & Decker electric saw and stuffed the body parts into plastic trash bags. So this kid 
would have had a pretty rough, a lot to overcome anyway. Yeah. But it's tragic that he was killed. I, I, I hope, I wish he would have got the chance to go to therapy and deal with these things and grow up and become an, a you know mature adult. Hopefully, but like so, your mom, your mom's crazy. Your mm-hmm. dad's killed, killed, hit your grandma, mm-hmm. and then your mom killed you. Because he dropped an egg on the floor? That's sources. That's according to sources. But I mean, what could it have been? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was, it's not like it's going to make the dropped an egg on the floor story sound Had like silly. Yeah. It, but it. But my thing is like, he was four years old. What could it have been? It couldn't have been something much more stupid than he dropped an egg on the floor. Yeah. He, you know, he got out of the bath before he was supposed it, it, it Something else. It's led up to that. Yeah. But like. But still. But I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it it could have, and it could it could be the egg on the floor. Yeah. My point is, what could it have been if it wasn't that? Yeah. Nothing justifies you beating your kid with a. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying though. No, I'm. What else? I feel like that was the last. Tr- what else happened? Maybe something she was dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Then, something and, outside and of him. That's what I Yeah. Asked. For sure. No. Definitely. And then he dropped the egg on the I floor, mean, and that took it to the next. Really. Thing. And yeah. you just take it out on a little boy, a four year old. That's that's wild. Yeah. I was miss. I was thought you were like. What else had he done that no, day? No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought you were like, I mean, what else no. is he doing? His room's a mess. No. I mean, I get it. I thought that's what you were. I was no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> you were like, hey, he probably did something else besides no. drop an egg on the floor to push her to that. I was like, oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> what could it have been? I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, probably maybe work things. Her ex-husband's a murderer. Like, I'm sure it was a lot of things. Yeah. And then the eggs hit the floor. You're like, Fuck. An egg? Like, it's nuts, man. Um, With a broom, right? With a broom. Yeah. Hmm. Um, McLean Smith said the couple met in a group home and her family was opposed to the wedding. We weren't against her. We were against Bashid, said McLean Smith. My nephew was no good. He was a bully. He didn't work. He lived off. She is reading him. Yeah. He, he didn't work. He lived off his mother. We couldn't understand what she saw in him. Damn. Damn. Shit. Bashid McLean is serving 25 years to life in prison for the killing which he punctuated by posing for a selfie while clutching his mother's dead head. McLean Smith said she only learned about the fatal beating of the little boy via a Saturday morning phone call from an old acquaintance. She also added she had only seen Zamir once when the boy was less than a year old and will now never see him again, she said. And uh, that is the story of Bashid McLean, a crazy story with a crazy twist where you go... Oh yeah, he was nuts. And he married a woman who was nuts too? That's pretty wild. So Yeah, man, I don't understand how you could do that to a parent. We've read other stories where people have killed their parents and things like that, and I just that's just one thing I never understand. Unless you even if you had a terrible relationship with a parent, I just don't understand it. Especially to that level, like a a murder, uh decapitation, uh, you know, dis you know, dismemberment is nuts. And this is a woman, right? Who, Bashir? Yeah. No, that's a guy. He just has a really um, soft face. Okay. He looks like a little six-year-old. All right. You yeah, know, he's a guy. He has a son. Yeah, Bashir McLean. Um, yeah, holding up his... You talking about because in the photo, he kind of looks like a butchy lesbian? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. But that's just because he's just so... Um, he's very um, androgynous. He's like a soft features. Um, but anyway, so let's go ahead and give this a try, man. We're going to go ahead and jump into these good vibes. It's time. Really that was. Head. That's... Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to stay away from that, friend. Yes, you don't, don't, don't keep giving people the visuals, man. Yes, if you want to see the photo, it is available on the internet, blurred, but it is available. But we're not here to talk about that. 
we're here to turn things around and get into these good vibes and turn, you know, and really, you know, give you guys those good spirits and everything like that. So let's get into that. That's right, folks. It's time for a little good vibes in your life. Again, I'm looking for feedback. So if anybody doesn't like this new format and wants to go back to doing good vibes in the beginning, let let your voices be heard, man. This is a democracy. Why wouldn't they, though? Get to end on a nice note. So you you like it? I, yeah. Okay. It makes sense. I just started out doing it that way and just kept it rolling. But yeah. now we crossed this you know century of podcasting. I was like, I'm try something different. Yeah. And it does make sense. It's like you get all this gruesomeness and you go through these dark little stories yeah. and I can leave here and go home and I can leave out here with a smile on my face. Okay. Well, I guess it's not a democracy. Don't worry about if you don't like it or not. This is how we're doing it now. Cause yeah. Fran said so. Yep. All right, friend. You want to go first? You want me to go? Yeah, I go first. Okay. Uh, I believe somebody posted this on the on the affirmative murder page. Okay. Um, this is about uh, the Shaq Diesel. These. Um, so this paralyzed little boy was unable to return home from the hospital <clears throat> because his house was not wheelchair accessible. So basketball legend Shaquille O'Neal mm. simply bought the boy and his family a brand new home. Mm. A twelve-year-old boy, Isaiah Payton, was leaving a high school football game in Atlanta, Georgia. Back in August, when gun- when gunfire broke out near the field and a stray bullet hit the youngster oh. in the spine, paralyzing him from the neck down. Oh man, it's, this is a good vibe story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, but, please, please. That's, but it's like that's terrible, man. Fuck. How are you supposed to live life when stuff like this can happen? Stray bullet, not even meant for you. So O'Neal, bullet, bullets, bullets ain't got no names, man. Yeah. So O'Neal was just one of the community rep- re- residents who was particularly heartbroken, heartbroken by the incident. So when he saw an opportunity to help the family, he immediately stepped up to the plate. So he was a hooper, like he was at the basketball court when this happened, or they, or you said just a park. Who? This was a. The this, is a this is after a football game. Oh, he, he was oh, leaving the football game. This. Yep. So Isaiah has spent the last two months in the hospital healing from the incident. But even after recovering from the injury, he was unable to return to his family's one-bedroom house mm. because it wasn't wheelchair accessible. O'Neill then purchased a brand new house for the family in College Park, in the College Park neighborhood. Not only that, the athlete says that he will be paying the family's rent for the next year. Mm. I was confused because it's like I thought he bought the house. I yeah. thought it was like he, he like, like completely bought, them a house? bought the house, nah. but I guess he didn't. Um, he so maybe he maybe he. I don't know. He does have enough money to just buy. Yeah, I mean, it's good vibes. It's good vibes. <laughs> I'm not right. I was like, I'm good not vibes. He got him a new house. He got him in a new house and is paying their rent for a year. Hopefully, the the rent is comparable to. Well, sometimes you gotta. Rent. It's a little. It's a couple holes that's gonna be poked because I'm gonna be like, oh, not saying that he's guys, obligated I to buy the house from this one bedroom house to this five bedroom house, and I'm gonna be paying your four thousand dollar a month rent for the next year. And then you will then take back on that responsibility. Yeah. And it's like, it's like how does that was, help my out? My rent was eight hundred dollars. Yeah, I don't know, but it's good vibes, man. It's good. Vibes. I'm not here to poke holes in that. It's good vibes, man. Shaq Diesel. I was just confused. Shaq Gnosis. So I just wanted. To, I just wanted to ask the question. So he will be paying the family's rent for the next year with a little help from Papa John CEO Rob Lynch. It's a nice. Is that the guy? Never mind. No, that's not the race. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he stepped down. He stepped down. Okay. He stepped down. All right. It's a nice area. O'Neill told reporters of w- of WXIA Atlanta. We're going to give her some furniture, TV, okay. and pay her rent off for a year. 
and help her get on her feet. Okay. Maybe he's gonna he owns like five guys. Don't they own five guys or something? Maybe he's gonna Shaq give her like so a, many things. Give her a, a nice management job. job or something. Yeah, give her. Something I mean, like I maybe start her off. You know, let her prove herself. You know. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know. But like, yeah, help her get herself established so she can take. Because I'm telling you, man, this story is terrifying because medical costs can obliterate even the most uh, well-to-do family. Man, you mm-hmm. literally can you just go from they might have been doing just fine. You know, what I mean, I mean. It's yeah. One bedroom might have been a little bit of a struggle, but they might have been making it just fine. Mm. And now it's like, oh, my son's a paraplegic. Yeah. And this place isn't wheelchair accessible. We don't have the medical equipment to do. And it just can wipe any people who are financially stable off the map. Mm. It can end some, like somebody, somebody getting cancer in a family. It's like, boom, you could have been six figure job. Everything's great. Got two kids in college. Boom. Cancer and every savings. Kids got to drop out of school. Obliterate you. Yeah. You know? So it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, kid was only 12 years old, so... Yeah, that's tragic, man. man. Straight bullet. It's like... I mean... I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. All right, that's good. That's my good vibe story. Yeah. So shout out to Shaq. Yeah, don't say what you were going to say, because shout out to Shaq. Yeah. This is good vibes. Use some of that Kazam money to help out this wonderful family who's in a, in a tragic time. Yeah. But, you know... Helping people, we gotta help people, man. It takes a village, communal. Yeah, we gotta be a community, man. Step in when you can help, and that's that's just the way the world should work, man. Yeah, you see somebody need a helping hand, and you can provide them the helping hand. I'm not telling anybody to put yourself out mm-hmm. to help help somebody. Like, don't if you're worse off than them, you can't do something. Yeah, you can't you know? do yeah. But if you can, you should reach back. My good vibe story is about a guy named Guy. Okay. Okay. So Guy Bryant never intended to be a father figure, but over the past 12 years, he housed more than 50 foster kids in his Brooklyn apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, he's he not the best. Building? I don't know. I think like his unit. <laughs> so again, he's not doing right. the best, Okay. but he's helping out people. Kids living on the street. I'd rather live in a two bedroom apartment than on the street. So... For decades, Brian, who is 61 years old, worked with teens aging out of New York's child's welfare system. Because once you turn 18, they they will kick you out. Mm. They only are responsible for you to a certain point, and yeah. then you're on your you're literally on your own. Yeah. Um. So these kids would age out of the um, New York welfare system, and his job was to find services that would make the transition to living on their own easier. But he felt that he could accomplish that at the New York City Administration for Children's Services office i'm sorry wait what? but he felt that what he could he felt that what he could accomplish at the new york city administration for children's services office wasn't enough so in 2007 he decided to become a foster parent mm. in the story corpse interview last month brian told romario vassell age 21 uh one of his foster children that agree that agreeing to care for him was one of the best decisions i made in foster care Brian told Vassell that he was nervous when he took in the frost, the first foster child. He said, I lived alone at that point, and he was a he was a kid that nobody wanted to take because of his behaviors. He got in a fight and he appeared at my house, Brian said. Brian says his family thought he was out of his mind for making such a big lifestyle change. His ex-wife also wondered how Brian would adjust. Cause this dude was just a you know, a bachelor, 61-year-old, yeah. didn't want kids, just kind of working his job and he found a calling he was like these kids need to be transitioned 
they can, instead of trying to find them somewhere, they can just stay with me until we I get them up an apartment somewhere and mm-hmm. get them a job and all this kind of stuff. And I can mentor them and, and really show them the ropes of yeah. being an adult and then kind of set them free on their own. As opposed to you have a cot at this fucking uh, government office with 100 kids there and then it's like, oh, you don't have a cot here anymore. You're too old. Yeah. Bye. With whatever you have in your stick and bendle. He's like, no, you come here. I'll feed them. You know, look out for them and and transition them slowly, mm-hmm. as opposed to just you're homeless now. Yeah. Good luck figuring out the rules. So, um, a quote from Brian. This this is a quote from Brian. I don't know about this. Brian recalled um his wife his ex wife telling him, "You just set you're just so set in your ways." It's like oh, why are you calling me all this negativity, girl? Yeah. Roxanne, something like that probably. Mm. I said I can do this. I know you can. I, I mean, is that why they got divorced or something, or they just already been? Why don't they don't go into all those details? Oh. <laughs> he said he's. I said I can do this. She said I know you can if you put your mind to it. No, being all passive aggressive. All right, yeah. Roxanne, girl. That's not her name. I just don't know. Okay. Uh, Brian had been Vassell's assigned caseworker when they met. Hmm. Bryant suggested Vassell, then a disheveled eighteen-year-old, consider foster foster care as an option to get out of the homeless shelter he was staying in at first Vizel was hesitant I didn't know how foster care was I've heard crazy stories he said and I've heard crazy stories as well There's some places are horrible things happen in foster care sometimes mm. uh, they agreed he would stay with Bryant Bryant hasn't looked back on his decision to become a foster parent you know every time I turn around there was a kid who needed help and a place to say, stay he said I felt like it's so simple. If you have the space in your home and heart, you just do it. You don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. At one point, Brian said he had nine kids living with him, so he moved to a bigger place. God damn. Wow. The kids who moved the kids who've moved out of Brian's place still have their keys to his place, he said. The kids he has fostered often return on Sundays for a meal together that Bryant cooks. Since living with Bryant, Vassell now feels like he has a, a support network. If I feel like I'm down and I need and I'm like concerned, I have someone I can reach out to and talk to, he said. And that's what I really love. So it's like people, sometimes people just need a friend too, man. Yeah. Just need, let, somebody needs to know that you're a foster care. You don't know who your parent, parents are. You don't know who your family is. You just need somebody to be like, I'm your family. Mm-hmm. I care about you. Sometimes people need that more than anything. Yeah. Uh, Brian told Vassell, whatever you've learned from me, I want you to teach it to someone else. Pay it forward. Because that's that's what's important to me. Brian wants to simply be remembered that he was pop to his kids, he said. That says it all to me, that I can be somebody's pop without bi- without being biologically connected to them. Well, you know your mind, Vassell told Brian. Yeah, I know I am, Brian said, and I love you to death. And uh, so yeah, shout out to God Bryant, man, stepping up and uh, being a being a father to these kids. You know when they don't have one, man. I I, I feel like I say this a lot, but I feel like I feel like I've said this on this, and I maybe I haven't. But being a, he's not what he is, but it is the same kind of thing. Like a step parent, mm-hmm. I have tremendous respect for step parents, man, because you're stepping into a slot that's either never been filled, and so a, the person is going to be resistant to your attempt. Or the spot is already filled, and they're like, "I don't need this. I already have this." 
either way, it's a tough place to be in to try to be somebody's stepmother, stepfather, whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. because you have to really earn their trust, mm-hmm. especially in a situation where the kid didn't have a mother or father or whatever. It's like they have no um, established you know, history of what to expect. Mm-hmm. So they already are resistant to whatever you're trying to give them. Right. And you could easily just give up and be like, I don't know, I'm just married to the woman or I'm married to the man, whatever, that kid's whatever. But when you put in the effort and you really build that bond with the kid, I feel, feel like it really pays off. And that kid, um, once he earned, you earn their trust and they and they really, you know, accept you into their life, it's mm-hmm. probably a pretty gratifying feeling. Yeah. And he felt that like 50 fucking times. You know, so shout out to Guy Bryant. Um, I thought that was a really beautiful thing that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Just I'm like, he's not doesn't sound like he's like a super rich dude. He's just like, I got a little bit of extra space. Uh, come come stay with me for a bit. So that was my good vibe story, friends. Good vibe story was yep. um um a, a, a light in the dark tunnel of a tragedy. Yeah. And shout out to Shaq and shout yep. out to Shaq Gnosis. They're great shoes. Um to some people and uh you know he's a big man and he was recently in a rap battle with another nba player yeah. you know i don't think he won it but you know he he, <laughs> he was in it uh, and it was fun times rapping rapidly rap um <laughs> this has been another episode of affirmative murder i've been alvin williams joined as always by my partner in true crime franco evans and we'll see you guys next week deuces Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.